production and uh, quality assurance. That's mm-hmm. what we did for many years all over the world in Argentina and Italy and China and Korea and Mexico. You know, I'm curious, you brought up the issue about human rights. That is a big problem in the world today, isn't it? About people just having to work basically like slave labor conditions, isn't it? Yeah, that's a huge problem. But a lot of people don't care a lot about it, but there's a lot of, like, I'd say 40% of the American companies care about that. The other ones that don't mention it, that means they don't care. So that means we, when a company buys from a factory, they have to make sure all conditions are correct. Human rights, salaries, working hours, no child labor, no prison labor. Also, the neighborhood around them, they help them. So the companies that go with the, the CSR, it's, uh, uh, social responsibility, never buy nothing from a company that's not completely clean and organized in these things. Yeah, these yeah. Aspects. So, so tell us about Made by Catholics, 10 years old as of August of this year. What was going through your mind, you know, 11, 12 years ago when you this idea uh, came into your mind? What, what, what was the, what the goal and the purpose? Well, the goal and the purpose was bringing Catholic art to the hands of people in a very in a good quality and low price, and make it accessible. So then, there's so many Catholic uh, works of art all over the world. Most of the Christian uh, art that's used is really actually made and painted and manufactured or constructed by Catholic composed music. So what we said is we're going to bring knowledge about what's made by Catholics. And we're going to bring it to people at a good price. And we're going to help fundraising efforts also to do, to fund. So that's what we, uh, good quality with social responsibility and only made in Mexico and the U.S. That was, we could have made in China. We worked in China many years, but that's, that's the, that was the deal. We're going to bring items of faith, images without changing them or painting them or modifying, photoshopping them, the real images, bring them to people. That was our original idea. And people who come to our uh, Summer Speaker Series event know that you, you know, donate images of Our Lady Guadalupe, and we've had uh, Father Michael McGivney, we've had a lot of uh, different saints. So what, what uh, other than the tapestries, what are some of the other products and also the, 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 the various images that people can have on these products? Well, well basically, we, most of what we do is textile. Of course, we have another area that we made bronze statues, my family for many years, since 1968. But basically, so we do also bronze statues, of course. We've made hundreds, my family, but the main issue is bringing the textile articles that are handy, that people can carry around, and that have images of the Catholic faith. So that's Mm -hmm. where we focus more on that. And then, of course, we sell to a lot of stores. We sell to EWTN, we sell to the Knights of Columbus Supreme Office, we sell to huge operators, but we also help small ministries and also help fundraisers, mm-hmm. especially in Texas. So if a, if a parish needs to make some money and they, they, they already gave up selling tickets or raffle tickets or food, they could always sell our articles and they make a very good profit. And that they evangelize and they make a profit at the same time. So that's why we say we... We sell to giants like EWTN or very important places like the National Shrine in Washington, D.C., but we also sell to any small ministry that wants to make a living, and not a living, to make some money to help their cause. Yeah, and how does, yeah, you mentioned about 
you know, using them as fundraising items, I guess also maybe silent auction items or how else have people creatively used your items for fundraising purposes? Well, they use them in many ways. Sometimes they just put a table outside their parish on a Sunday and they sell. Of course, whatever they don't sell, they give it back. There's no risk at all. They sell them the profit they make is to help their, their ministry or to help their charity or to help their parish. And the, of course, the great Knights of Columbus do it a lot help their charities and their parishes. And then, of course, there's people that do silent auctions, of course. And uh, that's basically, it happens because what we make is, a, a, because we're really manufacturers, so our real cost of manufacturing is uh, the real thing, so, so then they can make a real nice profit and help the church. That's, evangelize, bringing images to every home, because we do a lot of images, you know, St. Joseph, the Divine Mercy, the, the St. Michael, uh, to Our Lady of Guadalupe, we do a lot of images. But that's, so they evangelize at the same time. They're explaining the images, what they mean, and at the same time they're funding to help their church. Yeah, I, I get the the impression that you personally have a great devotion to Our Lady of Guadalupe because I know that's something that um, you really and enjoy promoting her image, the tilma. Tell us about that. Do, do you have a, a great devotion to her? Yeah, I've always had a great devotion to her, especially my wife, Monica. I mean, especially because they, I, I, I'm, a, I'm a devout Guadalupano, but I'm not that good at most people. But yes, we make this replica of Our Lady of Guadalupe at a very high quality. We've made thousands through 10 years. We send them all over the world. And then, but anyway, we ask always a reasonable price so people can have one in their home. So what we make is a replica. We call it a replica. Maybe we shouldn't call it, but it's almost a replica. It's not embellished, so there's no Photoshop tricks or or like fixing the scars. It's exactly like very similar to how she looks today. And it's made in a textile that we developed. It's Fox Jude because a lot of people don't know, but she left her image in Jude. She didn't leave it in gold or in silver. She left it in Jude, and she left it in Jude or burlap or whatever we can call it, which was the most humble textile. So that's why we replicated that textile. We replicate the image, and we offer it as a very nice, uh, what we think, because we have a lot of opinions of people, as a very nice replica of the, of the real image. So everybody can have it in their home. Yes. Uh, my my guest is Ricardo Flores. He is the owner, along with his wife, Monica, of Made by Catholics. You can go to madebycatholics.com. They make a number of uh, religious tapestries and prayer pouches and other items where you can put any image of a, of a saint, uh, of a, a particular devotion that you have. Uh, I have um, many of them that I've been blessed to, to receive. In fact, I have a lot of them in my office that I use. We uh, have been given a, a big one. Remember the, the big one you gave us of St. Joseph during the year of St. Joseph several years ago that we had in the office, uh, Ricardo? That, that's that's a, a big one. So you make these of all sizes, don't you? Yeah, we make them from eight inches to eight feet. And that was especially nice one, the one we made of St. Joseph, the year of St. Joseph. Such a hard year. That year, right? Oh, so yeah. much problems and everything. It was such a, in any way, all over the state, we sent these images of St. Joseph. No, as it was written in Patris Cordy that it was going to be the year of St. Joseph. So, yeah, yeah, I remember that one. I like that image a lot. 
Yeah. You sent over a little tidbit about uh, Our Lady of Guadalupe that I never really thought about. It makes a lot of sense, but you said that when you pray to Our Lady of Guadalupe, you're actually praying to both her and, uh, of course, the child Jesus in the womb. I never thought about that. It's kind of a a two-for-one prayer, isn't it? Yeah, well, that's not mine. I mean, uh, I've been had the honor to translate live as I'm an interpreter for Padre Eduardo Chavez, which is the priest that, uh, that uh, Monsignor Eduardo Chavez, that he dedicated. You, I remember we interviewed him also, and he uh, he's the one that canonized San Juan Diego, which is uh, uh, the Mexican Indian that, that, that did everything, that carried the tilma, it was his tilma, right? Mm-hmm. And... Um, when I was translating, I had the honor for interpreting live for Padre Eduardo Chavez, the last time here in Dallas. He said that. And I was so moved because I'm supposed to know everything about Our Lady Guadalupe, and I don't. He says, remember, this is the only image of Our Lady that when you're praying to her, you're praying to two people. Because you're praying to her, and Jesus is in her womb. And that, that really moved me a lot. That's why I mentioned it. Padre Eduardo Chavez always says that we forget that when we pray to Our Lady of Guadalupe, we're praying to two, to her mm. and her unborn son. Yeah, I never thought about that. Um, and he always said that's the most powerful. He has said, I, I've heard that that's the most powerful message of all. Yeah, that's why, yeah, she's been such a powerful intercessor. Of course, our whole network is is named after her. Um, <clears throat> Ricardo, I have mentioned a couple of times about the prayer pouches, but we haven't really explained what those are. Uh, what are the prayer pouches, and uh, for what uses can they be put? Well, 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 I want to say something, maybe it sounds a little bit wrong, but when we used to make all our tapestries images I, uh, years ago, four years ago, people would come and say, well, this is really nice, but what is it for? Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's the American way of thinking. Americans were very practical. So I said, "What do you mean? What it's for? It's for praying, right?" But then after I reconsidered, I said, "Okay, let's make something <clears throat> useful, useful for the everyday life, with a Catholic image on it." And that's why we produced all these praying pouches. We now we make about fifty different. We make of a, a, a lot of devotions, and then as the original image not tweaked by us, it has an original image in the front of the painting, 100, 500, 800 years old. And in the back, it has a prayer. So what are they for? Well, young people put their phones inside them, which I don't think is disrespectful. I prefer a kid walking around with his phone in a St. Michael pouch than in a Samson pouch. Mm -hmm. And and people hang them on the cribs of babies. They put them at the door of their house. They put their... Their uh, praying cards inside, they put their uh, rosary inside, they put their uh, veil inside. So it's a bunch of different uses, but the main issue is that people are carrying around a very nice image, Catholic image, in their daily life. They see it every day, they touch it every day. That's that's our message, right? We want Mm -hmm. people to have everyday articles that are high quality, low price, loyal to the image, the original image, but in their everyday life. That's, that's kind of our thing now, that since the pandemic, we, besides being we are very proud of doing the replica of Latina, we, we grew into the blessing pouch, carrier pouch, somebody, blessing carrier, people call it, but it's just a little beautiful bag with a very nice Catholic image in the back and a prayer in the back. So people will do whatever they feel is correct with it. Yeah. They hang it in the, 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 the mirror, their car, they, they, a bunch of things, which we love that. 
Yeah. So yeah, I think we think it's nice. Madebycatholics.com is the website. My guest is uh, Ricardo Flores. He and his wife, Monica, are the owners. They just had their 10th anniversary back in August. And website, again, madebycatholics.com. So what are your best sellers? What are people asking for these days? What images? Well, that's a very good question because, you know, that we're nationwide now, thanks to God. Texas company nationwide, which is beautiful. <clears throat> so there's some areas of the country, for example, the Northeast and the New York area, where they buy all of the, all the, that they buy the flame of love, they buy the armor of God. They ask us for an image that's called the armor of God. But they always buy St. Michael, they always buy the Divine Mercy, Our Lady Guadalupe, the Sacred Heart of Jesus, the Sacred Heart of Mary, the Immaculate Conception. So each area of the country is different. We also created a line of all the very, very old vintage hearts, Catholic hearts. So we have one of uh, the three hearts of Jesus, Mary, and, and Joseph. We have one of uh, the, the old image, you know, like the textile praying cards that our gra- great-grandmas used to have. Remember those? Mm-hmm. Yeah. The praying cards were made out of textile. Well, we have, uh, we have uh, found in the archives of the National Library or Catholic, we found all these old, old images, and we only just put them on a pouch, put a prayer in the back, Put them in a, in a, on a banner or something, and we bring them to your daily life. Mm. It's really nice because you have this kid walking around with her veil inside her purse, what I mean, in, in a bag with the three hearts of Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, right? And everybody, Catholic or non Catholic, say, What's that? Well, this is an image, 600 years old. It's the hearts of Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, and it means for me this. So it's always a conversation going on about evangelizing. Yeah. All the Amen. time. That's what the thing. That's what we're, we're simple people, so we communicate with images. Yeah, you, know, you are allowing me to give away two family-sized replicas, I believe, of Our Lady Guadalupe, and I, I want to ask a trivia question that's pretty easy. And the first two people to email me will win this family-sized replica of the Toma image of Our Lady Guadalupe. And then after I give out the question, I'd like you to kind of explain the size of these and any other details that you'd like to share, Ricardo. But I'm going to make it real easy since we've been talking about Our Lady Guadalupe. Uh, First two people that can email me, DavePalmer at grnonline.com with the answer to this question. What year did Our Lady appear to St. Juan Diego in modern-day Mexico? Okay, easy enough. You can even, you know, Google it if you want. Uh, what year did she appear? Uh, and if you email me, Dave Palmer at grnonline.com, the first two people with the correct answer will get a family size replica. So how big are these and any other details you'd like to share about it, Ricardo? <clears throat> well, this Dilma that we make is, we replicated the textile, but it's synthetic. Right, because why we can't print a natural, only Our Lady can do that. So we replicated it synthetic, it's 36 inches tall, 20 inches wide. Why? Because it's 50, exactly 50% of the size of the original she left. Okay. It's not just a random number. And, and uh, it has the image w- without embellishments, no tricks, no photoshopping, nothing. It has all the scars of the years, the folds. And uh, this is a, a super, a very sacred, very old image in the super high technology. So it's sublimated. That means that the ink is inside the text. That means the last 10 years, 12 years, nothing happens to it. Yes. So we mix very high technology to replicate this very, very sacred, very old image. 
You know, uh, you're, you're, you're filled with a lot of great trivia here. And you also mentioned about the question throughout history, how many times has Mother Mary actually left us an image of herself? And the answer is just once, right? Our Lady Guadalupe is the only time that she's left an image. Is that right? That's the only one. Now, there's a lot of apparitions, but there's only 22 approved by the Vatican. Okay, because your approvals are, are strict. <clears throat> so, of course, uh, we have our love lady of Fatima, our love lady of Lourdes. We have uh, the miraculous medal, right? But all those ladies, it was a description. She talked to a, to a visionary, talked to them and said, I want this, I want that. And they saw her and they described that image. And that's the images we see today, right? Mm-hmm. But our lady didn't, our, our lady just went ahead and left her image, and that's the only image she's ever left, the one that she left in El Tepeyac to San Juan and That's why it's so important. Yeah, and you know, many people have spent a lot of time analyzing the image of Our Lady of Guadalupe on the tilma, and it's fascinating. Have you have you taken time to study it or, or read any books on just some of the intricacies of that image? Yes. Well, more of it, <clears throat> we're preparing for next year a series dedicated to Our Lady of Guadalupe for television. So... I had a chance to meet, thanks to God and to her, I got the chance to meet all of them in person. Okay. I met Padre Eduardo Chavez. I met in Mexico City at his institute. I met Miss Laura Jimenez, the, the top scholar in the textile. I met, I, we, we just met two weeks ago with Dr. Aste, which is the scientist that discovered the figures inside the eyes. We also met with a, uh, with a Mr. Ojeda, mathematician, that found the music inside the tilma. So I went in, I'm not a scholar, but <clears throat> but I've gotten to talk, thanks to God, with a lot of people, with the rector of La Basilica also, so I've gotten to talk with a lot of people. I, I, I don't dare to say a lot because I'm really not an expert. We have huge experts here in Dallas, yeah. also in Texas. But I just try, Monica and I, when we did this, we just say, we did the best we can, yeah, right? Yeah. Of course, all these people, Dr. Aste, Miss Laura, and Padre Chai, all I've seen our work, are, are simple work, and nobody's ever told us, nah, this isn't right. So that's enough for us. Yeah. See, that's enough for us. Okay, are there any copyright issues with images, or if somebody finds something online, can they put it on one of these pouches or tapestries? Or Talk, talk about that, if you would. Okay. Any image in the world that's more than 100 years older than the death of the artist is copyright-free. Okay. Any painting, okay. So, any Catholic image, of course, we always do old traditional Catholic images. We don't do modern images yeah. a lot, right? Okay, yeah. And, of course, La Tilma, well, actually, if you have a little bit of time, I'm going to say that's what started us off, because Monica and I lived in China for, t- for three years, and I worked there for 10 years, and when we were living there, <clears throat> a Chinese guy registered the image of Our Lady Guadalupe. And he registered it in the Office of Patents of Mexico City, which is sad to say, but it's full of corruption, okay? Mm-hmm. But he did obtain the register, this Chinese guy, of the image of Our Lady. Okay, so there was a big thing going on. I'm talking about 11 or 12 years ago, 13 years ago. But the miracle here was that the Chinese government the federal government would usually sides on the side of their Chinese people, right? No? 
This case, the Chinese government told this guy, forget it. Mm-hmm. That's a fact. I mean, I'm not, it's a, it's, a, it's a fact. So this guy registered in Mexico. Who knows how he was able to do that, but he had the pattern worldwide of the image. And then when the legal fighting started, the Chinese government told him to forget it. Mm. So even the Chinese government understands how important Our Lady Guadalupe is for Catholics. Yeah, amen. Ricardo, we're just about out of time, have about a minute yes, remaining. Yeah, Ricardo yeah. Flores is my guest. Uh, he and his wife, Monica, own Made by Catholics. Uh, the website is madebycatholics.com. It's tapestries, it's prayer, blessing pouches, and other items. If you go to that website, madebycatholics.com, you can see a lot of the images. Uh, they're all made by Catholics in Mexico and in Texas. And uh, just about anything that you can imagine, he can put together. So I uh, invite you to uh, visit the website and order some for yourself, your family, your group, your apostolate, your parish, your di- diocese, what have you. Um, anything else, uh, Ricardo, we only have about 45 seconds remaining, but uh, yeah. what else do uh, should our, should our <clears throat> listeners know? I just want to say one thing, please. If you're a Catholic, why don't you really do your research, research and buy gifts made by Catholics? That's the only thing I say. If there's, there's very, very little items in the stores and all over the internet or whatever that aren't made by Catholics. They're made by other people. They're made in not correct conditions. So please, when you buy your gifts, please buy something made by Catholics, something that really respects the law morally. And, and so if you please, that's the only thing I request. If you, why not this year? If you're going to buy something, why don't you buy something made by Catholics? All right. All right. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, well, we're out of time. Ricardo, thank you very much for your time. Uh, God bless you and Monica, and thank you for the work that you do. MadeByCatholics.com is the website, MadeByCatholics.com. And uh, in case we don't have our winners yet, if you know what year Our Lady appeared to St. Juan Diego, uh, Ricardo is going to give away two family-sized replicas of uh, third three feet by 20 inches of Our Lady of Guadalupe's Tilma. And so uh, email me, Dave Palmer at grnonline.com if you'd like to get one of those and, and make sure you, you let me know what year did uh, Our Lady appear to St. Juan Diego. Thank you very much, Ricardo. Thanks to James for running the board. Thank you all for listening. And if you have any uh, suggestions for future interviews, feel free to reach out to me, Dave Palmer at grnonline.com. Have a blessed rest of your weekend. 14. Um, so, so why are you upside down? Oh, hey, Dave. I'm trying to do a handstand for a whole minute, but it's really hard. Well, if you're looking for a more feasible challenge, we here at KTH are going to try to get a thousand calls for Christmas from North Texas alone during our upcoming Joy to the World Christmas share happening November 28th through December 1st. We are asking everyone to tell all their friends to join in on this fun challenge to support local Catholic radio. That does sound a lot easier. Whoa! I'm okay. Danny McDonald with Omnia House Buyers is a new sponsor here on KTH 910 AM. He's a longtime supporter of local Catholic radio on the Guadalupe Radio Network. He and his family are active members of St. John Paul II Parish in Denton. He's interested in helping people by offering cash payments for homes and other properties in any condition. To learn more about Omnia House Buyers and to find out if they can help, they're located online at omniahousebuyers.com. And they can be reached via phone at 940-222-5896. That's 940-222-5896. 
Thanks for tuning in to the KTH 910 AM interview of the week here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. Thank you for supporting this station. Thank you for listening. And I hear a lot of comments about the interview of the week. Uh, we try to keep them fresh and original and new ones every week. In fact, we play two of them every uh, every week during this three o'clock hour. And uh, I have in studio with me a returning guest and a dear friend of mine from the Dallas Diocese. And her name is Laura Weston. And um, we, we, we talked one time before about a website that she set up to honor and also to educate through the, the the sermons of her late husband, Deacon Michael Weston, who was a deacon at Mary Immaculate Parish until he passed away in October of 2019. And he was a gifted homilist, and he um, somebody had the wisdom, I don't know if it was you or not, uh, somebody had the wisdom to record some of these sermons that he gave at the early mass during the week in the, the people there he called the 6.30 crazies because uh, they were crazy enough to be up that early in the morning. So we're going to talk about everydaysermons.com, uh, something, a website that Laura Weston has set up and encourage you to visit it and also get on her email list. She sends out, out an email every Sunday where she tells you what the, 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 the highlight of a, of a sermon that she wants to, uh, to talk about. So Laura Weston, thanks to, for sitting down for the interview of the week again. Oh, thank you for asking. Asking me, um, it's something, of course, very close to my heart. Um, these sermons, um, at, before Michael died, one of the last things he asked me to do was to make a book of his sermons because he had been asked and asked and asked. He never wrote his sermons down. Never. Um, not beforehand. He didn't write notes. They were in his head. They were in his head. Okay. So they were all um, ad hoc. Um and so people wanted them. They they were moved by them. And real quick, it wasn't a mass. It was a communion service. Oh, it's all right. Okay. The 630 crazy is even crazier to wake up for a communion <laughs> <No>. service. <laughs> and he did encourage them quite strongly to not come to this, but to come to mass. Yeah. But of course, yeah. you know, people had work to get to and all of those kinds of things. So 630 was a convenient time. Were you, are you, were you a 630 crazy? Never. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, that is so one of... Too, too the, early? <laughs> uh, no, no, it wasn't that. Um... I just, I wanted to go to Mass. Yeah, right, okay. <laughs> so these sermons that were recorded were a blessing to me. To, to He opened his heart so easily, so lovingly to these people. And so it was a view into his, not only his faith, but into his heart about the things that moved him, the things that moved him in love, because I have to say his outstanding characteristic mm-hmm. was his love for other people, yeah, which yeah. grew and grew and grew um, as time went by. Yes, He was, of course, um, and people would say, oh, you just do these good sermons because you were a trial attorney. And I can't dismiss that. You know, mm-hmm. He was a trial attorney and he was able, he needed to be able to think on his feet in court and he, and he needed to be able to think on his feet there when he was giving sermons without mm-hmm. notes. But the depths of his faith, the knowledge that he drew from, and he was a history major, and he often brought the history of what was happening when various letters were written, what the culture was like, um, and just general history into his sermons. And so it was, it was beautiful. There were over a hundred of them, and uh, publishing them once a week took me through two years. Mm. And I started republishing them because many of the points, even the major points in his sermons, I did not bring out when I sent out sent out my email, mm-hmm. and um, as as you were saying, Dave, one of them was about death, and about how he had walked 
with people as they died because he was a chaplain at um, in the charity ward, of course, of Parkland Hospital. But these were people uh, who had been given one year to live. Mm. They were back at Parkland because this was the end of the road for them. Yeah, yeah. They weren't there, you know, uh, because they were going to keep him for a year. No, they were sent home, but this was the end of the road. And so he had a lot of very difficult and beautiful things, yeah. uh, beautiful encounters with these people. I talked to a lady who knew him when, and, and she said when he walked into the room, the whole atmosphere changed. Mm-hmm. He brought joy and he brought peace and he brought God in with him. And there was young man, once a young man who was angry. And anytime anyone tried to do, walk into his room, he'd throw things at them, he'd curse them, he was terrible, except when Michael showed up. Mm. And they, when he came to talk, when Michael came to talk to him, the nurses rushed in so they could do all the things that they weren't able to do. Mm-hmm. Because Michael brought peace to that room, and to them too, yeah. and uh, was able to bring God to yeah. people who were soon to meet him face to face. So who recorded the, uh, the sermons? Well, he, uh, someone... One of the 630 crazies gave him a little recorder. And he would set it down and sadly, not sadly, but it's just the way it is, he would walk away from it. So uh, sometimes it wasn't very loud, it wasn't very clear. um, And I've had to edit that. The first round I didn't. The second Mm -hmm. round I I was able to get a way to edit these things. Um, And so I've I've evened out the the, um, audio and, and taken out the sneezes and yeah. The yeah. ums and the ahs. <laughs> That's why they're so perfect, huh? Oh. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. you always, you, and you, you put a transcript on the website I whenever, do. whenever you send them out. So people are more of the reading type. What I like to do is listen and then read along. Yes. Yes. And sometimes it's not an exact transcript because he does, you know, he'll make a knock or, or mm-hmm. make a sound, you know, or, and sometimes which I fixed. Uh, he gets his words a little backwards, you know, he gets so yeah. excited that he kind of stumbles over himself. Yeah. So, but it's, um, and I just, I just transcribed it like that. And later I thought, he wouldn't like that. That's not mm. what he wanted. So I changed it. Yeah. The, the, the that must be so uh, healing for you to listen to these and hear his voice, hear him talk about holy things. He does get passionate, and you get to just kind of relive it. It must be a, um, almost bittersweet in a way because it makes you maybe miss him even more, but you get to hear his voice, huh? Right. I think always one of the things I loved about him was his voice. He just, I thought, he just had a great voice. Mm-hmm. And so hearing his voice over this, um, through these sermons is a comfort, but and more so what he had to say. Like I said, he opened his heart. It was one of the things he told me before he died that he wanted the book written. It has yet to happen. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I keep it in mind. I keep it in mind. It's very hard to organize. He covered so many topics, and they were all very, very personal and current. You know, he, he brought, you know, things like, why is the church always persecuted? You know, mm-hmm. why do people ha- feel that they have to attack the faith? Or what do we do with the guy begging on the corner? You know, or like I said, what do we do when we have to walk with someone on that journey to death? Mm-hmm. You know, how do we face these things? Um, like I said, there's over a hundred of them, many different topics, but many, many of them 
were about how do you make yourself ready for that final journey to God. Yeah. And I think another thing I noticed is that uh, it, they're personal in the sense that sometimes he will name people in the crowd, so to speak, in, in the that, that are there, and he'll use their first name. So he had a very close relationship with the, the, these 630 crazies, didn't he? Oh, very much so. They loved him, and he loved them, and, and uh, they were just wonderful people, just wonderful people. There was this, uh, one of their members, uh, their mother had needed eye surgery, and, and she was in Africa. And they got, took a collection and flew her here for her eye surgery and took care of her while she was here and flew her back. Oh, wow. They, and he said he would not let anyone say, I want to pray for a special intention. Mm-hmm. He made them say what was on their heart. Yeah. And because they opened up to him and to each other, they loved each other even more. Yeah. And how, you said it was very sudden when he did pass away at 68, uh, how, up until what point before his death was he still actively in ministry? Was it right up until? Right the, up, yes, yes. Yeah. The day before he went into the hospital, he he had done his regular 6.30. Okay. I was out of town. He was saying how much he missed me and, and I talked about how much he enjoyed having ice cream with his grandkids. Oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> so, yeah, so it was, it was totally unexpected. Yes, uh, Laura Weston is my guest. She's a supporter and a fan of Catholic Radio and uh, the website that she has set up to honor and to really feature the sermons of her late husband, Deacon Michael Weston uh, from um, Mary Immaculate Parish in Farmer's Branch is everydaysermons.com, everydaysermons.com. So if somebody wants to get on the email list or visit the website, uh, what, what should they do? Just email you and say, email send, send me an update or, or what? Yeah, um, yes, please email me at Weston at yahoo.com. That's L-A-U-R-A, G for Garcia, Weston, all one word, W-E-S-T-O-N.com, and I'll be thrilled to have you come in. And my emails, I send out the emails, and I try to make... A something from my life mm-hmm. that is relevant, you know, to, to I feel other people have experienced the same thing. Yeah. And, and I hopefully it will lead them to listen to what he has to say. Yeah. About so you, these you, lead, you give a little bit of your life and then they get into Deacon Michael's life. And so they really get the, the little one, <laughs> one, two punch, huh? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Do you, do you get some feedback from people who I know every now and then I'll email you back and say, hey, I really enjoyed this one. Yeah. And, uh, and that's the kind of thing I get. I really like this. It was really timely for me. And that's, that's the thing about Catholic radio is that you find that what you're reading or what you're hearing, I'm sorry, um, it has a message for you mm-hmm. right then and yeah, there. Yeah, you know? and that's why I'm 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 more of a although I you know I go on YouTube and I'll do I watch videos and all that. But when it's something that you weren't expecting, like I can go and say I'm going to do a YouTube search for this topic right now. Well, that that's you, right? But if something pops in your inbox and you listen or read and you're like, whoa, that really touches me but that that wasn't something you went searching for it came to you right same thing with catholic radio you turn on catholic radio you don't know what they're going to be talking about and so if, if the message is for you it makes it i don't know there's something even more special about that yeah and he and he did address controversial topics of course you know clergy abuse and um, one of them is entitled why are there so many marian churches you know and, mm-hmm. and it's a thing for protestants what's with Mary, you know, yeah. why is she important? And he had such a great way 
of explaining these things. Yeah. Um, and, and if you were to go to the website and click on the sermons, which is at the top, um, I put a picture with each of the sermons. Oh, okay. And so you can kind of get an idea where it's going. Um, Related to what the topic is? Yes, or, okay. yes. Well, yes. Um, <laughs> I put a tipped over apple cart <laughs> on this last one because uh, Jesus tipped over the apple cart of the Jews. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, they, yeah. yeah. You know, he he didn't take away. He fulfilled the law, but they didn't see it that way mm-hmm. because they had a whole different way of viewing the world. And and he talks about that again because he was a history major. All of the background of what was happening to the Jews all the time, what was happening into the in the Roman Empire at various points. He can bring all of that together and and make his point so clearly in a way that you can relate to. Yeah, yeah. Laura Weston's my guest. The website is called everydaysermons.com, everydaysermons.com, about 100 sermons uh, from her late husband, Deacon Michael Weston, who died uh, rather unexpectedly in October of 20. 19. And so do you have a favorite sermon or a, a, oh a top, top two or one that uh, stands out to you? <laughs> I think listening not for the first time to this last sermon was that was about dying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I like that, that one a lot. Yeah, I liked that one a lot because he brought to us how important it is to not warehouse mm-hmm. those who are dying, yeah, but to be with them and what a blessing it is to you to be at their side as they make their journey. And I, I'm at an age where many people use their spouses or getting dementia or they're getting physical problems. And it's a hard slog to go through this day by day. Mm-hmm. But Michael went to walk with these people. He knows it's hard and he knew how to make it into something that he calls transcendent. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and that's what we all want. We want something transcendent in our lives, especially in the dark times when we have to face not our death, but the death of those we love. Mm -hmm. So did you have conversations with him when he realized he was dying? I know you said it was very fast. Did you have a chance to talk to him or say, hey, I'm going to write that book that you asked me to do? Or uh, or it was just so fast you really didn't have that time? It was just so fast. And he was in so much pain he could hardly speak. Mm. You know, um, so he so the things he said there there wasn't a lot of them. Uh, they operated on him. He never was able to speak after that. He was aware of what was happening. So everything that he had to say to me, he had to say as they were prepping him mm. to go into the um, operating room. Yeah, yeah. So so it was hard, and I stayed with him. You know, um, I think I've said this. There were many blessings that came when I stayed with there. Mm. Uh, stayed there, and I, and the day he died, I for the first time went into the writing room because I'd always gone just to his room, and in there was a newspaper that announced the death of the last abortionist that I had spent so many years oh, wow. in front of his uh, clinic, and I would never have known he would di- had died had I not been forced to go to the waiting room, and even then I thought. That's a gift from Michael. Mm-hmm. He did that for me. Yeah. You mentioned how he wanted a, a book of his homilies or sermons, I should say. Is that in the works or uh, is, that, is that a project you'll be working on? I, you know, I don't know how to organize it. I would be happy to do it. But he got his, they're so wide ranging. There's so many mm-hmm. things. You know, I'd, sometimes I think, well, maybe I ought to put out five or six books. Maybe I ought to put out Lenten sermons mm-hmm. and Advent sermons, you know, and, and bring those in. And, and um, 
I haven't done it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what can I say? Yeah. Uh, yes, it should be coming. It really yeah, should well, be coming. Well, you've transcribed them all, so the book That's is right. pretty much written. You just have it's, to somehow categorize them and get them into some kind of format, right? Right, right. So. and you know, not only is it written, but I have the illustrations for it. Yeah, you know, so yeah. There, there are things, and I kind of have the introductions in my emails. Mm-hmm. So I, all of those things I yeah. kind of already have. Yeah, uh, you know, I, uh, I I'm thinking about your kids. The kids must enjoy these <laughs> as well to hear their dad. And you know, sometimes you don't ap- appreciate somebody as much when they're alive, and then afterwards you might go back, or grandkids one day can go back and hear hear grandpa's sermons. Yeah. And who knows? I mean, th- this is the the gift that's just going to keep on giving and giving, right? I hope so. I hope so. No, that no. Um, my kids, it hurts. Mm-hmm. It hurts. Yeah. They don't listen to, they do listen to them, yeah. but it's hard for them. It's always been yeah. hard. You know, I, I wish they could say, they don't come and say, boy, that was really a great sermon because mm-hmm. it hurts. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Oh, okay. I can understand that. Yeah. yeah. Maybe in time they might be able to go yeah. back, and, but and it's still pretty fresh. And when we see each other face to face, you know, yeah. they'll tell yeah. me about things, you know, and, and, um, and it strengthens their faith. You know, I, two of my children are still very good practicing Catholics, and two are not. Um, one, one of my sons is in Phnom Penh just this past weekend. He did what? Uh, my son is in Phnom Penh in Cambodia. Oh, okay. And okay. so just uh, just this weekend, I had a hit from Phnom Penh. <laughs> <laughs> I was very happy to see that. Um, and I do get hits from all over the world. Oh, really? You know, oh, Any other countries that you can think of that were oh, unusual? India, China, the Philippines, yeah. Australia, uh, France, um, um, Belgium, uh, Italy, all over, Spain, mm-hmm. really all over the world. Oh, wow, wow. That's a, as much as there is to complain about modern technology and social media, this is a, a blessing because uh, Dickie Michael probably never realized that his sermons to these crazies at the communion service at 6.30 in the morning <laughs> one day would be heard from people literally all over the world. Uh, right. That's pretty amazing. Yeah, I have a background, some background in tech, you know, mm-hmm. um, and so I was able to put together what I hope is a good-looking <laughs> website yeah. and, a, and an attractive website that explains about his life because he had a difficult life. And it is so wonderful to see out of the pain of his childhood what a beautiful man he became. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Some people are able to overcome through God's grace through God's and then grace. Uh, enter into the diaconate as well. Well, uh, Laura, thanks so much. I know it's bittersweet to talk about somebody you love who's no longer with you, especially having gone so quickly in 2019. And uh, we also did a separate interview about how Catholic Radio helped you during that that first Christmas season after he passed away and through the pandemic. And so we appreciate your friendship of the station, your support of the station, and also every now and then uh, coming on in and sitting down and doing some interviews, so, oh, which yeah. we, we appreciate Can as I well. Can I say real quick, yeah. I called it Everyday Sermons because they were not Sunday sermons. Yeah, They yeah. were the sermons that he gave, you know, quickly to these 630 crazies who had to get off to yeah. work. Or How whatever. many people, like on average, would you say were there? I mean, oh, yeah, they any? could be 30, there could be 50, Yeah, there could okay. be 10. It, it varied. And uh, this uh, ranged from, obviously, ended in 2019, but went over a number of years that he was doing that. Every morning, he, he had the yes. 6.30 communion yes, service, yes, huh? Yes. Yeah, well, that's awesome. Well, thank you very much. It's, well, uh, it's a great you. story, and uh, we continue to, to pray for the repose of the soul of all of our loved ones. We never want to just presume 
that uh, everybody's uh, in heaven. I'm sure he is. It's been uh, it's been a few years, but uh, you know, lift up a prayer and thanksgiving for the like of uh, life of uh, Deacon Michael Weston, and also in thanksgiving for Laura, his his wife, and their children. Uh, so uh, thank you so much. Appreciate you uh, sitting down for the interview. Thank you, Dave. And the website is everydaysermons.com. Is that help? Uh, and then you mentioned um, that the 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 email is uh, Laura G Weston at Yahoo. Yahoo.com. Laura G as in Garcia Weston at W-E-S-T-O-N at Yahoo.com. Just email her. I hope she gets at least 10 emails after this airs <laughs> from people saying, put me on the list. All right. So so do that. Laura G Weston at Yahoo.com. And you can also visit everydaysermons.com for up to 100 more than a uh, hundred sermons like uh, from uh, Deacon Michael Weston and uh, the the, the six thirty crazies from Mary Immaculate Parish in Farmers Branch. Well, thanks everybody for listening. If you have suggestions for future interviews, this is a rare one. Normally, the, the interviews come to me. In this case, I asked you if you would do one. But uh, if you have suggestions, uh, if it's local and Catholic, the answer will always be yes. Uh, just email me, Dave Palmer at grnonline.com, Dave Palmer at grnonline.com. And uh, thank you to the n- nicely um, um, clothed and uh, decorated. We're doing this on uh, Halloween. So Sissel uh, has, she's in costume today. Okay, I'll just say that. She's in costume. <laughs> <laughs> and she looks uh, much more um, uh, decorated than uh, me and Laura. But anyways, thanks to Sissel for helping out with the program. And thank you for listening. God bless you. Thanks for joining us for this week's KATH 910 AM Interview of the Week. We hope you've enjoyed this presentation of Catholic news and information pertinent to North Texas Catholics. Please join us again next week at this same time for another KATH 910 AM Interview of the Week. Since 1991, the Church has directed Catholics to avoid investment in companies that violate Catholic teaching in areas such as abortion and contraception. Knights of Columbus Asset Advisors provides investments compatible with the teachings of the Catholic faith. Certified financial planner James Bell is an investment advisor representative. James can be reached by calling 817-608-7853. Sponsor of Guadalupe Radio Network, Knights of Columbus Asset Advisors is an SEC-registered investment advisor. Investing involves risk. KFCA.com for more information. We had children already, and my husband wasn't supportive. Then I got pregnant again. If I had that baby, I knew I couldn't be the mother my children deserved. So I had an abortion. It still haunts me. We at Healing After Abortion understand this pain. If abortion has left you alone and full of regret, join us on November 3rd to 5th for a Rachel's Vineyard Healing Retreat. Call us confidentially at 214-544-CARE or visit us at racheldallas.org. Loretta House in Denton is a pregnancy resource center that serves women dealing with unplanned pregnancies. They provide free pregnancy testing. Clients receive material goods like diapers, baby items, clothing, parenting classes, and more. Loretta House is an official apostolate of the Diocese of Fort Worth. All services are provided free of charge and remain completely confidential. Many babies are saved and many hearts changed. For more information, visit LorettaHouse.org or call 940-380-8191. 
All recently married couples are invited to celebrate with a special newlywed mass and reception with Bishop Edward Burns of the Diocese of Dallas beginning at 5 p.m. on Saturday, December 2nd at the Cathedral Shrine of Our Lady Guadalupe on Ross Avenue in Dallas. A reception will follow in the Grand Salon of the Cathedral. For more information about this event and others sponsored by the Diocese of Dallas, visit cathdal.org. That's C-A-T-H-D-A-L.org. This is Julie Carrick, host of We Sing Our Faith on the Guadalupe Radio Network, sharing with you a song today from Sarah Kroger. It's a traditional hymn of our church, The King of Love My Shepherd Is, with a little bit added in from Sarah herself. And Sarah's music can be found at sarahkroger.com or, of course, wesingourfaith.org. And now, The King of Love. Thanks for listening to KATH 910 AM, Frisco, Dallas, Fort Worth. Catholic radio for your soul on the Guadalupe Radio Network in North Texas. Heard also at grnonline.com and on your smartphone.